I was out there shooting hoops and it was Charles Barkley. And I asked him if he played horse with me. And he was like, sure, little Ainge. And so I hit like a 15 foot jumper, like boom, and he missed it. So I'm on cloud nine. I'm like, I'm beating him. I get the ball back. I make the next one. And he could have been missing them on purpose. He missed the next one. So he's got HO and I'm like, this is happening. I miss, he gets the ball, dunks it five times in a row because I'm nine and goes game over and then like walked away. I was devastated. I was like, are you serious? I can't dunk, you can't do that. Hey, it's the D1 Training Podcast, the place for the athlete. My name's Casey. Thank you so much for checking out this show, where I'll be talking with the athletes, coaches, and experts that help to make D1 what it is today. D1 Training is a results-driven sports training facility that offers over 20 years of experience and has trained over 1,000 pro athletes. We got a five-star training system that comes straight from Division I strength and conditioning programs, personal training, team training, youth developmental programs, boot camp classes for adults, and so much more. Now, on this episode, it's a great one. You'll hear from Eric Ainge, an outstanding quarterback at Tennessee. He was with the Vols from 2004 to 2007. He was a fifth-round draft pick by the New York Jets in the NFL Draft. That was uh, 2008. He now hosts the Eric Ainge Show with Brian Rice weekdays on WNML, the sports animal. Uh, in addition to having a very accomplished sports career as an athlete, of course, his uncle is Danny Ainge, former player and now executive in the NBA so that leads to some fun stories as well with this episode. Eric has a lot of experience with D1 as he's trained and coached here in the past. It's a great talk. Let's get to it now. Here's Eric Ainge on the D1 Training Podcast. Uh, and just real quick, I just want to hear your thoughts. CJ Stroud or Bryce Young? Bryce Young. I think CJ Stroud's good. I mean, he's good, but I think Bryce Young's better. I don't think I would draft either one of them, though. If I'm drafting a guy with the first pick, I'm drafting someone that I actually think is going to win me Super Bowls and be a franchise quarterback. They're not. They're not franchise changing. You don't think? Yeah, I don't think. You know, they're not Aaron Rodgers or Patrick Mahomes or um, Josh Allen or one of those kind of guys. Yeah. Speaking of Aaron Rodgers, as a former Jets quarterback, how do you feel about uh, him? Uh, the him? Jets have a way better roster than the Packers do. But I think they could win there. I don't see them winning the Super Bowl, but they'll, they could be a playoff team. Part of the problem is the the division they're in has the Bills, the Dolphins, and the Patriots. So they're going to have to compete against two or three other playoff teams just to get in. Yeah. It is yeah. nice, though, to think about the Patriots possibly being the the bottom of that. Uh, yeah. Oh, I love that. That's pretty nice. So, Eric Ainge, first up, tell me just your experience with D1 training in the past. So I've been over, I've been going to D1 forever, man. I mean, uh, Will, who Will who started it as a Tennessee guy, I've had ties there forever. I used to train there all the time when I was younger, uh, when I would come back into town. You know, all those same guys have been in and around forever. Um, I've trained people over there before, you know, quarterbacks and everything. And from a facility standpoint, from a continuity standpoint, from, from the top to, you know, the newest guy out there training somebody, there's just a ton of continuity. They all teach different, but it's the same principles. So if you got a different person, I've done boot camps there. Like you, if you get a different trainer, you're hearing similar stuff. They're teaching stuff the same way because it's taught the right way. You know, it's a lot of science-based professional athletes go there. I've trained all over the country and been to a million different gyms. And D1 is, is up there, if not 
the best place, in my opinion, uh, of all the places that I've been. To use a, like a football reference, there's a lot of different ways to teach uh, an offensive lineman how to block somebody, right? So you get a different coach. They may teach things different ways, but the, the baseline of it, you got to have your butt down. You got to have your chest up. Low man wins. Got to be strong. And, you know, like the fundamentals of, of a football position are the same no matter who you get coached by or no matter where you go. And I feel like at D1 with the training, it's it's very much the same way. Like the baseline, the principles, the mechanics, the science behind it all is there. And you may get little different tweaks here and there from different people, but that's not bad either. Hearing a different voice sometimes and and going through that process is is a good thing. And I definitely know how to coach um, offensive linemen just because I've seen the blind side. Duh, right? It's easy. Don't get the quarterback killed. Michael Orr, actually, he's a D1 guy. Yeah, absolutely. So you, you've made a, a great career in sports radio. Is that something that when you were a kid you had any interest in? No, not really. You know, I, I was actually joking with someone the other day. Uh, they said, why didn't you – why haven't you, you – did you think you're going to do this? The question that you just asked. And I said, no, but if you're the starting quarterback at an SEC school, especially the University of Tennessee, they should give you a minor in journalism or broadcasting because there's a camera in your face all the time. You're always answering questions. You learn how it operates, how it works. You know, when I just graduated from UT, I already knew I already knew all this stuff, you know? So it, it really was – it's a pretty simple transition. I think that's why you see a lot of athletes when they're done playing, they get into TV and radio and broadcasting and breaking stuff down. It's, it's simple for me to do that part of it. And having been the quarterback, it's – that part of it ha- hasn't been hard. It's just – it's a really fun thing to do. I feel like I am coaching. I've got fans – which I am now, but you get fans that, that are passionate about something that want to listen, they want to learn. And I may not be coaching players, but I give my my insight and my experience. And it may help someone who loves football be like, oh, I didn't think of that that way. Or, oh, that makes sense now. Um, so I, I love that part of it. And, and honestly, that's something that, that you bring to the table that is, you know, it, it's obviously not common, but just when you're able to talk, especially on a Monday after, you know, a, a football weekend just able to talk about what happened in the huddle and and that's that's you know a dumb dumb like me who's just watching um on tv isn't going to be able to pick up on yeah and it's not i mean i i think the as long as the people listening know that it's not a i know what i'm talking about and you don't know what you're talking about it's simply a i watched this and here's what i think and people don't always agree with me in fact often they don't but it's not my job to make him agree with me. It's my job to just share what I saw. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what was your, when you were a kid, your, your ultimate like sports dream? So I was a basketball player when I was a kid. I mean, being an age growing up, my uncle Danny, the NBA player forever. That was always my thing. And I was a baseball player. I was probably actually better as a pitcher and a shortstop than quarterback or shooting guard or anything like that. So I just love sports. You know, I was the guy that, you know, we talk about D1 all the time. I, mean, I didn't necessarily know what sport I wanted to play, but I was an athlete and I wanted to be a better athlete because I love sports. And I just decided that there was a better market for a tall, slow guy to throw the football than try to guard people playing Division One basketball because they'd go right. Or I could score. I could score, but I could not guard them. And mm-hmm. I, so I landed on fo- I landed on football, but my, my whole goal as a kid was to be a professional athlete. It didn't matter what sport. None of that mattered. I just wanted to be a professional athlete. And I, and I reached that goal. But, you know, looking back on it, you know, you always talk about uh, – we talk about setting goals for for people that are coming into D1 that are training, having reachable goals, long-term goals. I, I kind of, like, set my peak goal at just being a professional athlete. So then I became one, and then I was kind of like, well, not, now what? 
you know, I wasn't the kid that, that, that dreamt of being a Super Bowl winner or winning an NBA championship. I just always had this thing. I wanted to be like my Uncle Danny. I wanted to be a professional athlete. And, and that's, it's fun in one sense. I was able to do that. But if I could go back, you know, I feel like I would have put more effort into having more goals besides that. You know, that's, that's funny. It reminds me of a Jim Carrey quote. He says, I wish everybody could get uh, everything they've ever dreamed of because then they would see that that's not going to change anything like inside. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, I'm, for I'm, sure. And, and I gotta, I gotta bring up, you talking about your uncle Danny. So I can remember it might've been sixth grade or fifth grade, me and a buddy playing some Sega basketball game. And yeah. for whatever reason I played with the Suns, and I remember like Kevin Johnson, Cedric Zabalos. Oh, they were loaded. Dan, yeah, Thunder was, Dan Marley. Yep. Yep, man, I just remember playing that game and always picking the Suns, and uh, it's just, I always think, when I hear Danny Ainge, obviously he's a big executive now, but I just remember as a, being a little kid playing that video game. Yeah, he was such a good role model for me, man. I mean, he taught me so many different things about people and how to handle people and what kind of athlete you want to be. I remember one of the things that sticks out to me the most, and this always has, and to this day I always will do it, but uh, he he told me one time he signed an autograph, and I was like, that's so cool, and he said, just make sure you always say yes and you're always nice. Take the picture, sign the autograph, because someday people want your autographs and you may wish they did. So don't say no. Be nice. And I've always did. I sometimes sometimes it used to take me like a couple hours after a Tennessee game to get out of there. Or they'd have to get me a police escort. And then I still would feel bad. I'd be like, there's still people here. I, I swear it's because of what my Uncle Danny taught me when I was a kid. Do you remember as a kid? Because I have memories of athletes that were cool to me and athletes that were a jerk. And do you, do you have that same recollection? Yeah. And I was fortunate him being an NBA player. So he played for the Portland trailblazers when I lived in Hillsboro, which is just a suburb of Portland. So when I was young, I got to go to practices. I lived in the locker room. So I was around Clyde, the Glide Drexler and, and Terry Porter and all those guys. And they were always great to me. I mean, I was Danny's nephew and I was always around. So I love Charles Barkley. I think he's hilarious. I think he does a good job. Amazing player. But I went to Phoenix for to see my uncle and watch a game. And I was out there shooting hoops, and it was Charles Barkley, you know, Chuck, Sir Charles. He's out there. He signed some autographs for me and, and all that kind of stuff. And then I asked him if he'd play horse with me. And he was like, sure, little Ainge. And, and I, I don't know how old I was, nine. I don't remember. I was young. And so he's like, you go first. And so, and I was a pretty good basketball player. So I hit like a 15-foot jumper, like boom, and he missed it. Got him H. So I'm on cloud nine. I'm like, I'm beating him. I get the ball back. I make the next one. And he could have been missing them on purpose. He missed the next one. So he's got HO. And I'm like, what? this is happening. I miss. He gets the ball, dunks it five times in a row because I'm nine and goes game over and then like walked away. I was devastated. I was like, are you serious? I can't dunk. You can't do that. And my Uncle Danny was like, he's competitive. He wasn't going to be willing to lose to you. And like my, oh, even my Uncle Danny was fine with it. I was this little kid. I'm like, are you kidding me? I had him HO. He wouldn't let you do a layup? No. Dunk, 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 dunk. Game over. Pat on the butt. See you later. That's See you later, kind kid. Of funny. Uh, that's like, uh, who is it that uh, rejects people uh, in the commercial in the grocery store? Matumbo. It's Matumbo, isn't it? And he does yeah, the yeah. finger? Mm-hmm. That, right. was, that was, that was uh, Barkley to you, nine-year-old Ainge. Uh, that, that was it, man. Hey, so you've talked about time in the NFL and, and at UT a lot. Is there anything like maybe that kind of sticks out to you that you really weren't expecting from your time in the NFL? I think so. 
I think part of it that I learned, and I and I didn't really love it because I love football. But everyone always says the NFL, you know, it's a business. You know, it's a business, and I, it is. It's a multi-billion-dollar business. But I didn't expect it to be that way with as many players as I encountered. They were there to make money. They liked football, but if they could have made that money and not played it, they wouldn't have. But what other job are you going to get that pays like that? And like the love of the game. And it was usually the older players that had been around, maybe jaded, traded to three or four teams, felt like they'd been wronged at some point. That part of it was a little, a little harder. You know, as a kid, you're, you're watching these guys play and you just assume every one of them just is diehard, loves the game. And at some point, I think all of us did. And, but I think that, that, that part of it was a little hard. How about at Tennessee? I think at Tennessee, one thing, one thing that I wish, so like when you're playing, the games matter to you. Obviously, you put all that time into it. It's your craft. You're dedicated, all that kind of stuff. But, but when when you see how much it matters to the fans that have been going forever, it's what they do. Um, I, in college, I would have I would have debated this. I'd have been like, "There's no way they care more than I do." Look what I'm doing. I'm, my whole body's broken. I'm putting all this time in. Of course, I care more than they do. The older I get, and the more I've been living in Knoxville, doing the job I have. I don't know that that's true. I don't know that the the, that the players care. Uh, maybe we can say equal, right? But the people that spend money, that go travel, and they and they do that, the fans of the teams, they're as diehard and dedicated as 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 the players are. And I don't think you know that when you're young. Part of it is I was 18 to 21 years old, so I just didn't I just didn't know. But that that's one thing that I that I've learned over the time, my time here, and it's it's been fun. I thought this was interesting because I, I have not heard this story. I read that you were once fined for wearing an orange tie. What is that story? Orange tie? Is that not a real thing? <laughs> no, but I I did almost get fined in the NFL. I, I went. I always have uh, like rubber bands and bracelets and stuff like that. And I was walking out of the tunnel yeah. one time, and the referee was right there, and he was like, "He goes, Ainge," and I was like, "What's up?" And he goes, "You know that's five grand for each one of those wristbands, right?" And I was like, "Are you wow. kidding me?" ripped them off and threw them to a fan in the stands. I was like, yeah, it was like, it had been like $50,000. That was a fifth oh round draft pick. I'm, are you kidding? I was like, uh, no, I don't remember. So, an orange tie, though. I'm going to blame, uh, AI on this because, uh, moments before you, uh, came on, I typed into chat GPT, uh, podcast questions for Eric Ainge. And it gave me 10 questions. And one of them was, it said, uh, you were fined for wearing an orange tie uh, at an SEC something. That that was the question. If I did get fined, wrong. if I did get fined, I didn't pay it. <laughs> News to me that that I may have a tab somewhere. Who knows? Yeah, they're gonna hear this though, and now like this is gonna be used in court against you. Yeah, better not be. Um. So how about this? Even though I know you came to your job in a, a star quarterback coming to the job after your time in the NFL, do you have any other advice that might be a little more attainable for uh, somebody that might be listening that might really be interested in a career in sports radio? Well, I, I think that you, you got to love it. It's like anything. If, if And it's no different than for a parent who has a kid that wants to play sports and the kid loves sports. Well, they need to be a D1. You know, it's if you are picking a job someday, if you love your job once you're an adult, if you love it, you're probably going to be better at it. You know, if you tolerate it, you may be pretty good at it. If you hate it, you're probably not going to be very good at it. So if you want to get into broadcasting and radio and talking sports and blogging and podcasting and all that stuff, just check check yourself at the door. Do you love it? If you love it, then you might be great at it. 
And if you are, then you may have a career. In it. That's true for anything, though. If you want to be good at something, right. you got to put the work in. You know. Now, how about uh, if if you could interview any player or coach, past or present, who would it be? Ooh. You know, I would have said Brett Favre because he was my idol growing up, but I got to play with him for a year in New York, and we became good buddies. So I, I did get to do that in a in a roundabout way. Um, if you ever got Charles Barkley on the show, would you bring up that story? Well, he probably he wouldn't remember, but he also would probably say that does sound like something I would do. You know, I I don't, I don't know who I would interview if I could get a real, raw, honest interview from Peyton, where it wasn't you know coach speak and you know what I mean? Like if you got like a real raw and he was honest about everything, that's something I think everybody would want to hear. And he's a pro. He's amazing at it. He's very honest and he shares, he's open total, but I mean like open, open. Cause that dude has more stories, um, more success, some failures, but I swear he always took whatever his failure was and turned it into a, an, an inevitable positive for himself. So uh, Pey- Pey- Peyton might, Peyton might be the guy. That's probably the right answer. There's uh, a major league fishing guy from East Tennessee. His name's Brandon Coulter, and Peyton goes to goes fishing with him once a year. And I talked well, to know that Brandon. Guy. Brandon, and I've been buddies forever. Okay, so Brandon has all these stories because they'll go fishing all the time, and he's got a lot of cool stories just that he's gotten. And I'll listen to those secondhand. Yeah, oh, I'm sure. Especially if you're fishing. If you're fishing, and you're, then you're then you're just you're just talking. Right. Yeah. 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 One of these days we need to like slip a recorder in there though. Yeah. I mean, oh, that's that's a fun. podcast. That that would be gold. Yeah. All right. One last question. I ask everybody this. What is your favorite workout exercise? Anything. I, I would say anything on the turf involving like medicine balls and any like track type, this place to this place, like circuit type thing where you're, we're doing this here and this here and this here and this here. We're going to hit them all, take a quick break, hit them all again, take a quick break. I like doing stuff like that. I think the weight room stuff is, is really important. I think when you're young, speed and agility, quick learning how to do everything the right way so you can actually build properly is super, super important. But I love the stuff, you know, just for my attention span where you're going boom, boom, boom. Even if you're in the weight room, I like going quick from one thing to the next. You have to learn how to do everything first. But once you know how to do it, I like just hammering it. Absolutely. All right, man. Eric Ainge with the Sports Animal. Thanks so much for your time, buddy. Always, Casey. Appreciate it. All right. Hey, thanks so much for listening to this episode of the D1 Training Podcast. Uh, You might have noticed a a small tweak in the format for this episode of the show. I'm going to start releasing more episodes. Just they're going to be a little bit shorter with just one interview uh, per episode. I might uh, might be able to dive a little bit deeper, though, with those interviews. Really hoping to do that. Uh, I work a lot with the D1 facilities in East Tennessee. That's Knoxville, uh, Hardin Valley, and also Cool Sports coming soon in the the Farragut area. Sevierville, Chattanooga, Tri-Cities, and soon to be Maryville. If you don't already, please make sure you go ahead and follow your local D1 training facility on Instagram and Facebook. It's a great way to kind of get inspired by the hard work of some of the members at that facility. Uh, And you'll also learn about great deals and discounts from time to time. Again, my name is Casey. Please go ahead, subscribe, rate, and review the show. Thanks to Eric Ainge for coming on the podcast today. And as always, thanks to Mike McBath Music for the song. It's D1, place for the athlete. Sport, it's C1.
one is where I'm going, baby. Pick one. I said.